Good morning. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Christ Center Church, where Christ is our central focus. We're so excited that you decided to join us for our worship service here this morning. We pray that you will have an amazing and unforgettable experience with us today. We know that you were already greeted by one of our greeters before entering our sanctuary, and we know that you were greeted with a smile by one of our ushers before you took your seat. But if you so happen to have any questions about our service today or any information about our church, feel free to see one of our ushers or come back out to our foyer area with our greeters. And we'll give you the information that you're looking for. Any questions that you have, we'll be able to answer that. We're here to serve you, and we pray that you have a great experience with us today. Welcome to Christ in the Church. I'm here to give the month of February's announcements. We just want to remind you that you can join us for prayer Mondays through Fridays for our morning connections. It's from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. via Zoom. And if you need any information on that, you can see one of our greeters and one of our ushers. We also have our afternoon connections which is on Wednesdays in-house from 12.30 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Invite your friends. We'll be glad to have you. In case you're not aware, we have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. from ages 2 and up. On Tuesdays, we have our discipleship series called Manna for the Soul, and it's at 7.30 p.m. via Zoom. And it's taught by one of our ministers. If you have any questions or want to dive deeper into the word, this is the place for you. If you have any questions or need additional information, please don't hesitate to see one of our ushers. Ladies, 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 we have a ladies ministry meeting this Friday, February 2nd at 7 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Let's come out and be a part 
of the women's ministry. A friendly reminder that the first Saturday of every month we have our prayer breakfast. It starts at 8 a.m. And this month's prayer breakfast will be on February 3rd. Again, it's at 8 a.m. Please come out and join us in prayer and there will be a light refreshment afterwards. On February 9th at 7.30 p.m. and February 10th at 6 p.m., we're going to have our district prayer conference called Saturate. If you want to experience the presence of God, please feel free to join us. It's going to be in Prospect Park. This is a time of prayer and fellowship that you don't want to miss. On February 22nd through the 24th, that's Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday day session, we have what's called Winter Fire Conference. It's a time of refreshing, renewing, rebuilding. If you want to grow spiritually, this is a time where power-packed preaching takes place and a time for you to let loose and let God. It is located in Bloomfield, Connecticut. This is a conference you don't want to miss. These are the announcements for the month of February. Please continue to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more updated information. We thank you for listening. God bless. i
Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We will hide your word in our hearts, Lord. I would like to welcome you to Christ Center Church, where Christ is at the center of everything that we do. You could have gone anywhere this morning. You could have even stayed home because it's not very nice outside, but we are grateful that you decided to join us this morning. We would like to also welcome our online viewers because you can get uh, trigger Twitter fingers and go to other other uh, sites. But we would like to thank you so much for joining us, joining us this morning online. I am here because I want to pray with you. Um, we'll pray together. We just want to lift up the name of the Lord. If there's anyone in the congregation that has a prayer need, a prayer request, I just ask that you do so show by uh, lifting your hands. And if there's anyone online that has a prayer request, we ask that you go ahead and just submit that online. And um, we want to pray together because we serve a mighty God. Hallelujah. Jesus, God is good. No matter what, the narrative is always that God is good. So why don't you all lift your voices and join me in prayer. Jesus, you are God. Jesus, you are God. Jesus, you are God, and there is nobody like you. You are protector. You are provider. You are healer. You are hope. Jesus, you are the lily in the valley. Jesus, you are everything that we need you to be, and nothing catches you by surprise. You knew that we would be here on this morning. You knew every hand that would be raised. You knew every need that needed to be met. And so we come to you today, Lord God, asking that you have your way, Lord Jesus. You know those that need healing, Father. We pray this morning for the Guthries. We pray this morning for Brother Tony. We pray for Brother Sharp's cousin, Hemlin. We pray for Brother Kellyman. We pray for Sister Jackson. We lift up Sister Maddie this morning. You knew that their bodies would need to be touched. You knew that they would need healing this morning, Lord God. So we pray that you would touch them right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would touch their minds that would try to tell them what you can't do, but that you remind them this morning of who you are and what you can do and what's already done. Your word says that by his stripes we are healed. So we claim healing this morning, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord God, for Sister Sister Abigail, Lord God, for Gabby's friend who is going to Iraq soon. She's going to protect this country, and God, that did not catch you by surprise. We pray her protection, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would cover her while she is out trying to fight and protect this country, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray for every missionary this morning, Lord God. That as they spread your gospel, that you would protect them, Lord God. That you would lead them. That you would guide them in the name of Jesus. We pray for the service this morning, Lord Jesus. That you would touch the mind and the heart of every person in this room. Those who could not join but wanted to be here. That they are here in heart and in spirit, Lord God. That you would touch them right now in the name of Jesus. 
that you would open up their hearts and their minds. Allow their hearts to be softened this morning, that your word will fall on good ground. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you would touch our pastor, that you would use him in a mighty way, Lord God, that you would allow the words to flow out of his mouth, the anointing to flow like never before, Lord God, that we don't look to the man, but that we look to him as your conduit this morning, Lord God, as your oracle, Lord God, that he would speak your word with authority and with power in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord God, for those who have not received the Holy Ghost this morning, Lord God, for those who have not spoken in other tongues, we pray, Lord God, for your power to fall in this place like never before. We pray, Lord God, for your your spirit to saturate this sanctuary like never before, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that the hearts will be softened, that there would be repentance in this place. And just like on the day of Pentecost, when the people were all on one accord and your spirit came through and swept the place, oh God, we pray, we pray, Lord God, that that would happen in this place today. We believe you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that you would fill those with your spirit. Not that they would just believe, but that they would leave this place knowing, knowing that they've been filled with your spirit because they've heard themselves speak with other tongues, Lord God. Those that have, that have not been baptized in your name, Lord God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would allow them to have the mind to want change, to go down into that water, not just to to get wet, Lord God, but as an act of, of your death, your burial, your resurrection. This is the gospel. In the name of Jesus, we pray that someone would go down in the water and that they would come up new, that they would leave those sins in the water and that they would leave this place differently than as they came, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, We pray for souls to be saved like never before, Lord God. But not just that they leave this place changed today, Lord God, but that there's a consistency and a hunger for your word, that their lives would be changed, that they would touch the lives of those people who are around them, Lord God. That you would change families, Lord God. That you would allow them to be the the, the David and the Jeremiah's of their generation. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, because we don't speak these things in vain today, but we know that you can do it. In the name of Jesus, we speak encouragement to every single parent in the sanctuary this morning. It did not catch you by surprise. And so we speak encouragement, Lord God, to families, to those who may be doing it on their own, Lord God, to remind them today that you are a provider. We pray for our college students. We pray for our youth today, Lord God, that you would spark a fire in them, Lord Jesus, that you would spark a fire in them, that there would be a hunger for your thirst, a hunger for your word, Lord God, a hunger for your righteousness, that you would allow them to stand up in this generation and have a spirit of boldness like never before, that when they're in their schools and when they're around people who are telling them who they can't be or or, or, or or what's just religion, Lord God, but that you would remind them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you created them for a time such as this. We thank you, Lord God, and we praise you. Why don't you all just lift up the name of Jesus this morning? Let's continue to praise him as the praise and worship team 
continues to lead us in prayer. We're not worried about the music, God, because we just lift up your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah.
presence of the Lord is in the room. We're not here just to sing the words. We're really here to worship him this morning. We're here to worship him this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, church. Don't just look at me. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Just acknowledge his presence being in the room already. He responds to that. He responds to that. Hallelujah. All of my worship 
this asking just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. This will be my posture, laying at your feet. Oh, just to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. Dearest Father, closest friend.
would just show their adoration to Jesus right now. You know, we only worship at the level of our relationship with him. Our, our deepest revelation of who Jesus is shows how much we will worship and how much we will praise him. You only can worship and praise him at the level of your religion. The revelation of who he is, that's how far you will praise him. You see these people that will fall on their face and worship him. It's because he's been too good to them. It's because they've had encounters. They have a relationship with him. You can only worship at the level of your relationship. I wish somebody would just throw up their hands and just worship him. Just one look from the Father, everything changes. Just one encounter with the Father, everything changes. Everything changes with just one look, with just one look. God is delivering in this place. 
God is healing in this place. from the master oh God you're wonderful God is wonderful hallelujah oh is speaking in this place. I feel it. But if you wasn't here yesterday, we came yesterday and we set the altar on fire. Something happened yesterday evening and it transitioned to this morning. Amen. When I came for, pre- for prayer yesterday, I can feel a shift. It was a different prayer. Amen. Amen. It's different. We want to greet you. Or is there any first or second time visitors in this house? First or second time visitors? Praise God. Praise God. Can you stand for us? Praise God. What's your name, sister? Is your name? Donna? Donna, we welcome you, Donna. Donna, if you didn't meet our pastor, you met him already? 
praise God. You know, hey, we love to have anything we can do for you, Donna. Feel free to come see us, you know, our ushers, our greeters, our leaders. You know, we love to have you. Appreciate you being here. Praise God. Praise God. And we want to have, um, we want to move with our offering. Turn to your neighbor says offering time. Amen. Listen, praise God. It's offering time. And listen, I have a business. And um, people come to me and say, you know, ask me for advice about the business. And I explain to them the growth of my business. God has been blessing me. He's been opening up many, many doors for me, and I give God praise for that. But I explain to folks, my success coming come from the Lord. Amen? When people don't, they, but when I explain that, they see the increase. But I explain that my increase comes from God. Listen. This is my, I have a business partner. Me and my wife is business partner. I got three business partners. Amen. Christ come first. Then my wife, then myself. Amen. Amen. When I get an increase, the first I do is give a tenth unto the Lord. Amen. A tenth up unto the Lord. I explained to some folks that when God give you an increase, if it's a hundred dollars, I give him ten dollars. If it's a thousand dollars, I give him a hundred dollars. If it's five thousand dollars, I give him five hundred dollars. Because guess what? I don't want to mess up my blessing. Amen. Amen. I have wrote ten thousand dollars tithing, fifteen thousand dollars tithing. But guess what? I had a bigger increase. Amen? I don't get tied up with stuff. Don't let stuff, you can have stuff, but just don't let the stuff have you. Amen? Amen. Everybody says offering time. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 19-20, Lay not up for yourself treasures, Upon earth that moth and rust do it corrupt, and where thief break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust do it corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. Listen, don't hold to the things. Don't let them hold you. Give. I don't let nothing hinder me when I get tithing. The first thing I do, I give my tithes because I don't want nothing to stop. I, I taught this my flow. Amen. Amen. So let the Lord bless you. There's different ways to give. We have our website. We have PayPal, Cash App, or you can mail your offering right into the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So let's stand before the Lord. Amen?
all over the place. Let's stand. I want to pray that God will increase you. Amen. I believe that God has promotions for you. I know that God has jobs for you, opportunities for you. Amen. I know that God has cars and houses that you don't even see yet. Businesses that you can see here, Logos, but God wants you to see those things in the natural. Amen. 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 So let's all bow our heads. Prepare your offering. Prepare your tithing. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we bless you in this place. We give you praise and honor, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, for, oh God, for blessing us. Thank you, God, for opening up doors for us. Thank you, God, for giving us opportunities, God. Lord God, we're going to honor you, God, with all of our increase. Oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, open up those windows, God, and I pray, God, I know that you have blessings, God, in store for your people. So I pray, God, that you, almighty God, that you will open up those opportunities, God, that's been closed, those doors, that's been closed, open those doors right now. Bless your people, God, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. Obey your ushers.
I love y'all. I love this church. Walking in the Holy Ghost, church. We are walking in the Holy Ghost this morning. Woo! I know we have different ways of how we think the Holy Ghost operates. But the Holy Ghost doesn't operate in our box. So it's not about how you feel. It's not about any tingling sensation. I am telling you, we're operating in the Holy Ghost this morning. One look. Whenever, I never share my topic. I I can't remember ever sharing my topic with any of our leadership before Sunday morning, late Saturday night. Which means when they decide to sing the songs that they sing, they pick them long before they heard my sermon. Because they don't get to hear the sermon like any of us till Sunday morning. But as I begin to speak God's word this morning, you will see how much we're walking in the Holy Ghost. A couple of things I want to mention before I get into the word of God. I greet you all this morning in the matchless name of Jesus. Parker, so good to see you. Didn't think I was going to see you again to the summertime or the springtime, but you slipped in in the wintertime. Good to see you. Miss Parker bounced back between Trenton and Gainesville, Florida, and so she's here this one. Didn't think I was going to see her again until it warmed up a little bit, but she, she braved the weather and she came out. Good to see you. Amen. Good to see my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law traveled all the way from West Orange. Amen. Good to see them. Always glad to see them. And it's good to see all of you. Donna, good to see you. Thanks for coming. God is good. I know when we come on Sunday mornings, we come and we come to hear the word of the Lord. We come to worship the Lord. We come to praise the Lord. And we come to fellowship and talk to one another. Some of you might even come for a beef patty after church. We've got that. We've got all that you need. But I wanted to bring something to your attention before I get into the Word of God today. Just mentioning that we have a service schedule each week. And I was mentioning to our leadership this morning that our our schedule throughout the week is intentional. We, we didn't come up with a schedule just to say we have some service times. But Sunday mornings we have adult Sunday school at 9 a.m. and that goes from 9 a.m. till 9.45 a.m. And then the leadership get together and we discuss our service for the morning. And then we start pre-prayer at 10 a.m. and we pray from 10 a.m. to 10.30 preparing our hearts and mind and this atmosphere for the Lord to do what he wants to do. And of course, service is from 1030. On Tuesday, we have what we call discipleship class. We do it virtually. And so all you need is the link and you can join our discipleship class 
virtually every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. It's usually for about 35 to 45 minutes. But discipleship, everyone needs. If you are new to this church, whether you've been in a church before or not, I encourage you to get involved with our discipleship class on Tuesdays. And if you're new, fairly new in this church and you've never uh, been a part of a discipleship class, I encourage you to be a part of our discipleship class on Tuesdays at 7.30. If you need the link, see one of our leaders, audiovisuals, someone will help you to get the link. That's Tuesdays. Wednesdays, we're back here for midweek, and uh, we're here at 7.30, and midweek is usually Bible study, but you never can tell what could happen on the midweek. So we're here to uh, just learn and worship and hear from the Lord on midweek, and that's 7.30. Then on Saturday evenings at 6.30, I mentioned this this morning, that we have our, what we call corporate prayer. And Saturday evenings at 6.30, we're here to pray, and we pray for our service Sunday morning. And we ask God to just bless and pour out his spirit. Uh, as Brother Minister Calvin mentioned this morning, I believe what you felt here this morning um, have something to do with just uh, folks being here yesterday just praying and calling on the name of the Lord and God just met us here this morning because that's what we asked of him yesterday. And so we thank God for that. Every morning, Monday through Friday, we have what we call our morning connections from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. And uh, we pray corporately together in the mornings. If you'd like to join us Monday through Friday, we can give you the link for that. And you can join us in prayer. You don't have to pray the entire hour. You can pray for 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 2 minutes, or the entire hour. Um, I think we're learning each other. We're kind of staggering. We normally have certain people that 5 o'clock sharp, they're there, ready to go. And then others bounce in, 5.15, some 5.30, and uh, some, you know, just kind of slide in and pray. That's what we intended just slide in whenever you can. We just want to get our hearts and spirit right before we start our day because we want God to help us. And so if you need the link for our morning connection, uh, prayer at 5, 30, 5 o'clock a.m. till 6 a.m., please join us. We really would appreciate that. It will help you all spiritually. And the last couple of things I want to mention that was not in our announcements this morning is we want to... Um, begin to have what we call youth church while we're having normal Sunday morning worship service. We know for some of the parents, um, your kids sometimes could distract you while you're trying to, uh, you know, hear what God is saying to your soul. And a lot of different things go on. And sometimes, to be honest, our young people want to be together. They don't want to be with us adults. And so we want to have them to have what they need. And so what we're going to do is um, they'll do praise and worship with us. And while we're doing offering, we're going to ask for them to quietly slide next door. And so while we're over here ministering, they're over there being ministered to as well. And then altar time, when we have altar call, they will slide back in. While we're having our altar call, they can come and have their altar call. So we want to do that for our young people because we think that will bless them. I think we said the age was going to be between 5 and and 15. So 5 and 15 years old, 
We will start that on uh, the 11th of February, Sunday morning, the 11th, we will start that. Also, Saturday, February 17th, somebody say Saturday, February 17th, at 5 p.m., right here, we're having a youth service for this church. Young people from this church are going to come together and they're going to have their own church service where they'll be doing their thing, enjoying the blessings of the Lord, ministering to you, doing what God wants them to do. And so we're starting at 5 p.m. February 17th right here. Join us. Invite your young people from school. Invite them. Invite neighbors. Invite friends that they will come. And I'm sure they'll have a great time here that Saturday evening, February 17th. The Lord certainly will meet them here. And I want, listen, in this church, I don't know um, what you think you are, but I'm, I'm, I'm a youth. So, listen, if you stay around young people long enough, you'll stay young. You want to get old quickly? Get around old people. You know what's interesting? Old people don't want to be around old people. They want to be around young people. So it's interesting. So I believe that if we want to really enjoy what God wants, don't put an age on it. You come out. Doesn't matter your age. You come out and see what God is doing among our young people, and it'll get you excited. God is good. Final thing I'll mention is this. We're going to do a Daniel fast. We're going to do 21 days, but we're going to start out with seven days in the month of February. And maybe in the upcoming months, we'll schedule another seven, another seven. But starting February the 4th at 6 p.m. Somebody say February 4th at 6 p.m. We're going to start our Daniel fast. And what that means is you will just eat natural foods, no meat. I have a paper here. We have them at the desk out front. You can pick one up and we'll tell you what, uh, what kind of food you eat during the Daniel fast. And so for seven days from that Sunday evening at 6 p.m. to that next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we will be on our Daniel fast, so you will just eat uh, a certain way. For some of you, um, you know, that's the, 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 the floor if you're going to take part in this fast. That's the floor. That's the minimum that you can do. For others, you might uh, do one meal a day doing the Daniel fast. So when you do the Daniel fast, some of you, you can eat the natural foods all throughout the day. You don't have to have any specific time. Just eat, but just the natural foods and no meat. Then for some of you, you might just want to do one meal a day. Again, the natural foods, boom, no meat. And then for some others, you might want to do some days where you just go zero food, just water only. But that week we're fasting. And here is the big caveat. No social media, no electronics unless it's for work. Stay away from social media, stay away from TV, stay away from all the stuff that's going to just infuse the worldly stuff in your mind and take you off of your thoughts and your focus from Jesus. So that will be our fast. I will mention it again next Sunday, but I wanted to mention it this week so you start preparing because you might need to go buy some Daniel food because we don't have Daniel foods at the house. You know, we got big steaks in the house, chicken, 
And in the Daniel fast, no steak, no chicken. You know what I mean? No oxtail. <laughs> oh, don't start that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Sister Asker, don't do it. I don't know when it was. It was last year, a couple years ago. The Haskers came up with vegan oxtail. I almost lost it. I almost lost my religion. Vegan oxtail. You ever heard such a thing? Man, ban those people that came up with that. Vegan oxtail. That, 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 no such thing. Ban those people. But, you know, stop it. Just stop it. It's not good. Just stop it. If you all need to do something because you don't want to eat meat, fine. But don't say vegan oxtail is good. My goodness. Help these people, Jesus. Don't lie in church. Don't lie in church. There ain't no such thing as vegan oxtail good. Don't lie in church. Repent under your breath right now. Father, forgive me. Vegan oxtail is not good. We just do it because we're just trying to get some sort of meat while not having meat, but it's not good. In Jesus' name. We have a prayer conference uh, February 9th at 7 p.m. in Prospect Park, 730 Prospect Park, New Jersey. Um, if you need your address, we can get that to you. But we have a prayer conference that evening. And then that um, next evening um, at 6 p.m., the prayer conference continue. And um, if you'd like to join us for prayer, you are certainly welcome to. We'd like for you to be there. I will be there. And I know some of us from this church will be here. But it's a district prayer conference. We'd like for you to join us. Amen. If you will stand with me, we're going to get into the word of God again. So, so thankful to be in the house of the Lord. I am so glad to be with you. I am privileged to uh, preach the word of God to you this morning. And I believe God is going to help us. God is going to help us. God is going to do something in this house this morning. I'm going to, I'm, the Lord told me yesterday to challenge you. I heard from the Lord. The Lord told me to challenge you. Now, you might sit there and say, I don't want to be challenged. It's okay. I'm just telling you what the Lord told me. And so because I fear the Lord and because I love the Lord and because I'm trying my best to obey the Lord, I'm going to do what the Lord says. It's up to you how you respond to what the Lord says. The text that I'm going to share with you this morning, I've preached from this text, I don't know, so many times. But God started just talking to me about this text. This text that I'm going to share with you this morning is just outstanding. And as I said, the praise and worship team did not know this text that I was going to minister, but they certainly is in alignment with what God will do to hear this morning. I also want to say for those of you that don't understand how we operate in the apostolic church, there's only one church. I uh, know we have different kind of what we like to say denominations. There's only one church. We didn't find denominations in the Bible. Man made up denominations. And after a while when man got frustrated with denomination, man says non-denomination. I'm laughing because non-denomination still make a, a denomination. You're just non-denomination, but you're still denomination. The bottom line is God has one church. He died for one church. He died for one church and one church only. So we must try to figure out what is the true church. 
and make sure we understand that. So when I speak, I speak as the church. Not a denominational. I don't care anything about all that. I'm bringing you the word. Luke chapter 19, verse number 1. Luke chapter 19, verse number 1. The word of God says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Somebody say rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, saw Zacchaeus, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He told him to come down, make haste. And Zacchaeus made haste. And Zacchaeus came down the tree in haste. And Zacchaeus received the Lord, just not any kind of way, joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, <laughs> saying that he was gone to be guests with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So much is going on here. Just for a few minutes. Depending on what you do today, if you will respond to God's call, if you will respond to what God is saying, something is going to happen in your life. Just for a few moments, I want to talk to you on this topic, compelled by curiosity, compelled by curiosity. <laughs> Jesus, you have been so good to us. You're always good to us. You're giving us what we don't even deserve. You're doing for us what we should not even have because we don't deserve your goodness. But yet and still, you show us goodness. You show us love and kindness. You bless us. And Lord, we have already prayed the prayers of faith. 
Lord, I pray that you will put into the heart of your people that are here this morning a great curiosity that you want them to have. That, Lord, they will be compelled before the service is through to come and inquire of that thing that you will put into their heart, Lord God. I pray today that we will get to experience the demonstration of your power and that whatever you want to do in this place, in the heart of your people, it will be done. Lord, I thank you for anointing me and allowing me to be your conduit, your vessel, your oracle, to speak with clarity and to speak, Lord God, with conviction, with love, with authority, that your will may be done in this place, that we will not walk out the same way we came in. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Compelled by curiosity. I need to give you some backdrop or some background or some context about this event here that transpired in Scripture. The first thing I want to say is this. Have you ever wondered what made a well-dressed, successful, self-made, wealthy, prominent tax collector throw shame and ridicule aside to climb a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus? I challenge you this morning. If this rich man, with all the pride that he had, with all the power and influence that he had, with all the the, the status that he had, for him to lay all that aside, to climb a tree. I don't know about you if you ever climbed any tree, but to climb a tree, you don't look very conservative. You don't look very sophisticated when you decide to climb a tree. Your suit's going to get messed up. Your nice clothes might even get ripped up because it's not nice and pretty to climb a tree. But what made this rich man, this man that had this reputation among the people, what made him climb the tree? tree that he can see Jesus. And maybe I never preached anything real good for the rest of this service to you, but I want you to ask yourself that question. Why would this rich man decide to make himself look uncool and make himself just, just cast the shame aside just to see Jesus? And what am I doing? What am I doing? I told you a long time ago, and I keep telling you, if you come to church and you plan to be cool, you ain't never going to get no word with God. Because coolness usually means I'm laid back and watching. Cool means I'm just checking everybody else out. Cool means I don't want you seeing me a certain way because I got a certain image to uphold. That's what cool people do when they come to church. But I'm here to tell you, if you stay cool in church, you will never, ever experience what God has for you. In Zacchaeus' day, the Roman Senate found it convenient to collect their huge sums of taxation through middlemen living in each of the provinces. The tax collectors were encouraged by their superiors to apply harsh and even fraudulent assessments and for the citizens to try 
to take any recourse against them was almost impossible. We say it like this in America, in Trenton, New Jersey. Can't fight, can't fight City Hall. That's how the people felt when these publicans were coming around collecting taxes. They wanted not to pay. They wanted to run and hide and just act like they're never home, but they couldn't do it. Amen. These tax collectors like Zacchaeus, they overcharged and brought false charges of smuggling against the Jews in hope of extorting hush money. The Jews who hated paying the tribute of any kind to any occupying foreign powers were doubtably or doubly offended by such blatant robbery. So what was happening is, just so you can really get in the, the meat of the story. It's like this country is ruled by China. And China is running this country. But China couldn't be the ones that collect the tax from us. So what China does is they, they get our citizens to be the tax collectors from us. So it's like our own people taking our money, robbing us, but they're getting their marching orders and commands from a different government. That's what was happening. So Zacchaeus was a Jew, but he was working for the enemy, so to speak. And he was going to his own people, pay up! And that's how he made his money. They regarded publicans, watch it, as traitors defiled by their frequent contacts with the heathens and being willing and being a willing tool of oppressors. That's how they looked at the publicans because they, they were fellow citizens who decide to engage in that kind of behavior. And so now it's like you, you are a traitor. You, you turn your back on us to work for the man. And now you're oppressing us just so you can make money. That was the job of what they call a publican back then. Zacchaeus was not popular or even respected, but he certainly was feared. His very appearance at one's door was like the hand of doom. Oh, snap, here comes Zacchaeus. One stroke of the pen, a life could be reduced to debtor's prison. People often beg for mercy, but even the poorest case could only hope for a slight extension. Oh, you're going to pay. I'll give you one more week. But you're not getting off. You're paying. And if you don't pay, you're going to jail. And that's how Zacchaeus treated the people, him and all the other publicans. Until... One very particular day when Jesus was passing through Jericho where Zacchaeus collected taxes. Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus was healing people, opening blind eyes. It wasn't just Zacchaeus thinking that, let me go see Jesus. No, he heard about Jesus. And he heard what Jesus was doing, so he wanted to see who is this Jesus. You 
see whether it's for good or whether it's for evil, everybody want to know about this Jesus. <laughs> this publican Zacchaeus, having heard of Jesus and seeing the advancing crowd, was prompted and compelled by his curiosity to go and see Jesus. Because a smart man, which I'm sure he was, probably was thinking, is he a threat? Or will he help me? We don't know what was going on in Zacchaeus' mind. Was he threatened by Jesus because he heard what power Jesus had? Or was he like, I'm tired of this life, and maybe Jesus can help me get through this life? I don't know which one it was, but it, dis- it doesn't matter. What matters is he knew I got to find out about this Jesus. But there was one small problem. He was little of stature. He could not from the ground obtain the view he desired because of the crowd all around him. So he ran before the crowd, climbed up into a sycamore tree, probably crawled on a branch. You know, up in the tree and the branch just extends out and the branch extends out over into the street and he just crawl on the branch and kind of perch right on the branch so he can actually be in the street up high on the branch. Hope the branch didn't tear down, which it didn't. I don't know, I used to climb trees, so I know. And sometimes you climb, you don't know how green or how rotten the branch is. And so you're holding on to branches, but you have to know which branches to hold on to. Because if you, if you try to hold on to the branch that's, 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 that's rotten, that's, that's, that, that's not good anymore, you're going down. There's some tree climbers in here. Let me say this. At the very least, everybody should be curious about Jesus. Everybody that come to church don't come to church for Jesus. They come to church for other things. But nonetheless, the reason why they're there anyway is because of Jesus. Everybody should be curious at the very least about who Jesus is. Zacchaeus was rich. In his eyes, he was successful And he had power amongst the people. He had no need for anything. But can I tell you today, I don't care how good life is for you this morning. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account right now or what kind of investments you have. I don't care how great your relationship is with your spouse and how educated and successful your children are. Everybody needs a Savior and that Savior name is Jesus. The rich man that probably have more money than any one of us here this morning. The rich man who had influence could get people to do whatever he wanted. The rich man who had everything he wanted was seeking Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning, ain't nobody in this place should be sitting and not seeking Jesus and not realizing how desperate and how badly we need Jesus. We can't get Jesus pretty. 
We can't get Jesus uh, all sophisticated. This is what I love about the true church. Because the church that's still trying to be the true church, they are sophisticated. They are just kind of laid back and they sit there like a bump on the log and they're not engaged. Where do they get that from? We need to go to the scriptures and see how the book of Acts, how those churches was just flowing and what was transpiring. Everybody needs to be saved. Everybody needs to be saved. The word of God says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody needs a savior. There was never a perfect human being. Every person that walked this earth except for Jesus Christ have all sinned and need a savior. And there's only one savior and his name is Jesus. He is almighty God manifest in flesh. We all have the same status. We've all sinned. Nobody in this place is better than anybody. We're all sinners. We all have gone astray. We all have gone against God's word. And the only way we're ever going to get back on track, the only way we're we're ever going to get it right is when we allow the Savior to save us. And can I tell you, saving you doesn't mean a little act. And now, after you do the act, now you're saved. Saving us is a constant thing. It will continue to take place until Jesus cracked the sky and comes back for his church. Whether we're sleeping or we're alive, he's coming back for his church. And we got to be saved and ready for his return. I believe most of you agree with me that we all need a Savior. However, all who agreed with me that we need a Savior, we're not acting like we need a Savior. The event we just read with Zacchaeus gives us clear understanding Of when you know you need a savior, what you do. It might not look exactly like Zacchaeus because Jesus is not walking around this church today physically. (coughs) Jesus is not walking around this church physically today. So it might not look the way Zacchaeus' situation looked. But we still need to do something. We still need to do something. And I'm going to show you that before we... Finish up here today. Listen to me carefully. There will always be obstacles and hindrances when you attempt to seek Jesus. Some of us, what we like to say, paralysis by analysis or analysis by paralysis. Any way you want to look at it, we start analyzing. We start figuring things out. And and that's how we decide whether we're going to do or not do because we're figuring it out. And we're saying, well, I don't know about that. I don't know how that's going to work. And so we don't attempt something because we try to figure it out before we attempt it. That's not how Jesus rolled. 
Jesus do not ask us or command us to do anything we are not able to do. If it's in the book, you can do it. If he says it, you can do it. You don't have to try to figure it out. You don't have to come up with the plan. If he says it, if he says, seek me, seek means to pursue. Seek means to look and, and, and intensely try to figure out and go after. That's what seek means. Seek don't mean I just look around. Seek means I'm constantly searching. Seek means I'm constantly pursuing. Seek means I'm active in reaching out to Jesus, not just laying back. That's what seeking means. And so God told us to seek him. He said, if you seek, you will find. Just sitting back is not seeking him. Coming to church and sitting in the pew and hearing the word of God is not seeking him. If you want to be saved today, if you desire a deeper and more intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have to overcome your hindrances. You will have to get over yourself. You will have to not care about being ashamed or embarrassed or talked about. It takes a mindset that will be compelled by curiosity that Jesus will put into your heart. It takes a mind that will say, I don't care what anybody else thinks I will pursue I will seek after Jesus Romans 12 and 2 we notice well let me show you what God talked to me about concerning this it says in Romans 12 and 2 and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is, prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word conformed and fashioned can be interchangeable. In this text, they can be interchangeable. Paul called the Christians in Rome to decide whether they want to be in fashion according to the world, or in favor with God. He urged them not to fashion or to be fashioned according to the world, but to be transformed, transfigured, changed from the figure or fashion of things belonging to the world. He wanted us to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Why does the word of God says we need to be transformed? That way we will be in harmony with God's will and discover God is good. So here is what he talked to me about concerning that scripture. Here is something we may not have given much thought to concerning not conforming or fashioning ourselves according to this world. You ready for this? When we follow the fashions of this world or we conform to this world, watch it. Our mind becomes conditioned to think a certain way, 
to see things always from a worldly way and even judge things from the viewpoints of this world, which prevents us from being able to embrace, accept, and trust the ways of God and his word. In other words, when we allow the world system and all that we see on TikTok and all that we see on Facebook and all that we see on Instagram and all that we see on social media, where we take in a lot of that, it's conditioning your mind to process, to think a certain kind of way. I know you're quiet because a lot of us, we're TikTok out, we're Facebook out, we're Instagram out. We're all in, 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 engaged so deeply in this social media platform stuff that we cannot get what God is saying to us. We cannot receive what God wants to give us because we're not conditioned the way God needs us to, to hear from him. I come to church and I will preach to you the word of God and you will nod your head and you will say, yes, he's saying the truth. Yes, he's right. But why don't we respond according to the word? Why don't we say yes and do it in obedience and respond in faith? You know why? Our mind has been taken over by the thoughts, by the things of this world. Our mind has been consumed. So now what we do is this. We try to figure out what the word of God is saying, but we can't because we have so much of the world, so much natural things, so much things that are not spiritual that's holding us that we can't process. Therefore, we walk away from the word of God because we don't know how it's possible. And we're only thinking that it's not possible because we've been consumed. How the world have taught us how to think. This is what God showed me, that the the world system, forget about people. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the system that we're using to guide our world. The, 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 The world system is trying to get us to be conditioned in a way where we cannot understand, we cannot receive, and we won't trust the word of God because we're so far off. We need things to make sense. We need things to be able to one plus two equal three. We need to be able to make it make sense. And in God's world, it won't always make sense because God is supernatural. God is divine. It won't always make sense. Stop trying to figure it out. We need to empty ourselves out from the world. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We got to empty ourselves out from the world. I'm not telling you, church. I'm not telling you we are in this world. But we must not be of this world. And what does that mean? We can't function by the systematic ways of this world because this world is, will get our minds going in certain direction. So when God says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, we're going to start thinking about some book. We're going to start thinking about some TikTok ad that tells you how to get your mind changed. And that's not what God meant. God is trying to tell us the Holy Ghost is the transforming power of the mind. God created the mind. 
God created the voice. God created us. He knows how to transform us. I remember when God called Moses to go set the people free. He says, go let my people out. And Moses started making excuses. I can't talk. What do you think God said? He said, Moses, who made the mouth to talk? Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. We trying to figure it out with our intellect, with our understanding, with all of our education. We're trying our best to figure out what God is saying. And God is saying, who do you think gave you education? Who do you think gave your mind to understand? Who do you think gave your mouth to speak? And you're trying to figure me out. You're trying to figure, do what I tell you and stop trying to figure me out. Stop trying to figure out God. Stop trying to make sense of God's way. The only reason why you're doing it is because the world has conditioned you. The world has conditioned you to process a certain way. Because we have allowed so much of the world's information to come into our mind. It has conditioned our mind. And so now we got to think a certain way. And so many things of God is not making sense to us because we have been conditioned to think differently. Listen, I'm always cracking jokes about Apple and Android because I'm an Apple person. But I'm not an idiot. Apple is part of it too. They're trying to condition our mind and how we think. They're trying to condition us on everything. Listen, church, I know we're in the world, so I'm not telling you that, you know, we have to, not, we, we, we don't, we have to do some things. We, we got to work with some things. We're in the world. But here is conditioned, because I have been conditioned this way. You ready for some condition? Mobile orders. All right, some of you don't know what mobile orders are. Well, mobile orders is when you get an app on your phone, Right? You get an app, and so you got an app, and once you get the app, when you want something from that store, you get on the mobile app, boop, 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 you know, you get your credit card, debit card attached to that order, boop, 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 your order, boop, order, gone. And if you want, <laughs> ready for this one? You can have DoorDash. That's the, that's the new thing with the kids, DoorDash. That's their thing. So you got young children, you know, they don't even talk to you no more. All you know, they eat, and you're saying, where you get that from? DoorDash rolled up. And then, then since we couldn't help it, we started telling them, well, make sure they leave it at the door and you don't go out and get it. Just put in the app when you order the food. Tell them to leave it at the door so we don't go out there and they pull our kids out. So now they're DoorDashing. They're Grubhubbing and the, door, the food is at the door. Conditioned. 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 You know what that means? Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. You know what that means? We want everything fast. So we're conditioned. If, if, if we need to come to the church altar today and pray for a half hour, you can't do it because you don't have time. You've been conditioned to say everything got to happen quick. If God don't move in five minutes, if God don't move in 30 seconds, if God don't move right away, I'm leaving. I can't sit in no church no hour. I can't sit in no church no two hour. It don't take that long to get God. I got to go. How do you think you arrived at that? 
How you think you arrived at that? But 50 years ago, they were spending a whole day at church. They call it tarrying. They call it a move of the Holy Ghost. We had prayer lines going back, and we prayed from 11 o'clock till 5 o'clock, and we went to another service. Why you think we did it back then, but we're not doing it now? We've been conditioned. I want it right now. I want it right now. And God, if you don't move right now, I'm out of here. That's what I'm talking about. That's just a small example of what I mean by the world system is conditioning our mind. And God is trying to get through to us. And we're hearing it. But we are trying to process everything according to what the world taught us how to process. This is why the church just come now. And I'm seeing it in I got to be honest with you, I'm a little frustrated. I was just talking to some young people this morning, and I said to them, I have to really take my time and talk to God. But you know what what the old timers say is when the cup fills, it will run over. And so here is what I've, you know, been accustomed to. I I grew up in the era where nobody told you to do anything. You took the initiative. I grew up in a home where if you, if you sleep too late, they're coming to get you. Because you're supposed to know to get up at a certain time, make your bed, straighten up your room, do what you're supposed to do. Nobody tell you that. You better do it. And if you don't do it, somebody coming in with some mean words for you or with a belt or with some water. Get up out of that bed. Initiative. That's what I grew up under. And so now, watching these generations not taking initiative, i got to pray, God, help me to say it the right way. God, help me to do it the right way. Because nobody want to initiate. Everybody want to be told. Everybody want to feel it before they can do it. It don't work that way. If God's word said to do it, God's word said to do it. Zacchaeus, nobody told Zacchaeus what to do. He knew Jesus was coming, and he knew I need to meet Jesus. Nobody gave him a blueprint. Nobody gave him a text message. Nobody gave him some great explanation of how you need to meet Jesus. He had a curiosity in his heart. And nobody prompted him. He listened to his curiosity and said, I need to go find out about these, this Jesus. I need to go meet this Jesus. Nobody had to prob. Nobody had to poke. Nobody had to encourage. Nobody had to say, come on, man. We need to go see Jesus. But today, somebody got to tell you, come on, we got to go to church. Today, somebody got to tell you, let's go to the altar. Today, somebody got to tell you, let's pray. Today, somebody got to tell you, we need to be a witness. Today, somebody got to tell you something. We won't take initiative. We won't allow the prompting of the curiosity, the thought that God has put into our heart. We won't respond to it until somebody tell us to do it. And even when somebody tell us to do it, we still, it ain't happening fast enough. We condition. I know we should be doing it, but it's not working the way we want to because we need to move quickly and work quickly. Quickly, expeditiously, let's go, let's go, let's go. And God is still the same. He has not changed. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God changed not. Don't try to get God to speed up because you have sped up. Oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, help us, God. Help us, almighty God, that we will get 
delivered from this worldly way of thinking. (laughs) We need to get delivered from it, church. We need to get delivered from it. We need to get delivered from this worldly systematic way of thinking. It's clouding how the scriptures, how they land. Let me give you some young people talk. How the scripture land. It's not landing good because it's not landing on good ground. Our ground has been defiled. Our ground is not cultivated. The ground is not, the soil of our heart is not turned over. It's not prepared. It's not ready to receive what God has. It's hardened. So when stuff comes from the word of God, it's just hitting hard soil and we just dismiss it. But I'm calling on you today to tell you what the Lord tell me. He said, challenge my people. Let them know that they must respond to what I placed in their heart because that's the only way they're going to receive from me. Hear me. The world or society wants to control your mind, but God wants to transform your mind. When you are, when your mind is conformed, it's limited. Anything you're conformed to, you're limited. It's like being restrained. It's like being just consumed by that. And that's all you can see. That's all you know. That's how you function. And so, oh my goodness. I'm I'm ready to close, but my God. God has talked to me about this text. I can preach from this text for the next five weeks and not say the same thing over and over. One of the reasons why Jesus came to this earth is because we were conformed. (laughs) There was not one person qualified to save us. No human, because every human was consumed, conformed, fashioned, according to sin in this world. So who was going to be righteous enough with no sin to save us? Who? Who? So that's an example of when you, are be, when you are conformed to anything, guess what? You can't be saved on your own. You, you can't go no place on your own. That thing or that, 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 that platform, that, 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 that event, situation, society, it consumes you so badly that all you know is that. And even when somebody's telling you something different, oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. God is telling you different things, and you're pushing back, and you keep saying no, and you keep saying, this is me, and you keep, you're consumed. You have been conformed. You're in a place where you can't even help yourself. And every once in a while, you need to have somebody, everybody, not once in a while, everybody needs to have somebody that when they come to you and point their finger and says, you need to not do that. You need to trust that person enough to know they're godly, they're righteous, and they're telling you the right thing, and you said, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. But if you want to live your life with nobody can tell you what to do or tell you when you're wrong, you are going to be destroyed because God is the one that will order his, his people, his servant, to go and speak life into you. But if you think that life is being spoken and you can just do whatever you want still, you're heading for destruction. 
And when you get to a place of destruction, you're going to blame other people. You're going to blame other people. All because you don't want to listen to nobody else. All because you don't have somebody in your life that you respect enough that when they tell you straight, you says, I got it. This person here, I got a few people. I got a few people in my life, including my wife, that sometimes I don't want to listen to. But if she's telling me something that's right, I'm listening. And I got plenty of men of God in my life that when they tell me something, I don't care what I think, I don't care what I like, I'm listening. Because I learned this, and I've said this before, but it might have went over your head all those other times, but today you're probably going to get it. If the man of God that comes to you and tell you, Drexel, do not do that. And all in your bones, you feel like, I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong. You have a choice at that time to keep walking with, I think he's wrong, and do what you want. Or, I think he's wrong, but I'm still going to do it. I know the sure way to get the blessings of the Lord in that situation. I know the sure way. The sure way is, I'm going to listen to the man of God. Why is that? Because God's word tells me to submit to them that have authority over me in spiritual things. So what it means is, even if I'm wrong, Drexel, when I say, do not, God says, because you did your part, I'm not going to let you pay for what that man of God was off on. That's the sure way to get your blessing. And y'all don't understand that. It's not about the person when you listen. It's about you when you listen. So when the person speaks to you, whether they write or... I'm talking about a man of God or a woman of God. I ain't just talking about no crazy person. When a man of God or a woman of God speak to you, whether you like it or not, whether you think they're right or not, the sure way of receiving the blessings of God is saying, yes, sir, okay, I will do what you tell me. Because God will always bless you for doing what you were supposed to Because you did right. The man might not have heard right from God, but you did right. God don't let us pay for what people do wrong. Yes, you can be in an environment where people have done wrong just like this world. But that doesn't mean that you're going to pay for all of their wrong. I don't go to hell because somebody did wrong. You can do wrong all you want. Your parents could have done wrong. But if you repent of your sins, you got baptized in Jesus' name, you got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with evidence of speaking with tongues, you walk right, talk right, live right, live holy, live righteous, guess what? I don't care what your parents ever did. I don't care how their life ever was. You will go to heaven. You don't pay the price for somebody else. Yes, you might be in the same environment where some stuff might happen, but you don't pay the price. Let me tell you this. The word compel. What does that mean? The word compel, Webster says the word compel means to drive or urge forcefully or irresistibly. Dictionary.com says the word compel means to force or drive, especially to a course of action. So when when we're compelled, it means we feel forced or driven to a course of action. Uh-huh. Compel. Now let's look at the word curiosity. Webster says the word curiosity means a desire to learn and to know about things. Inquisitiveness is what Webster said. 
But I like dictionary.com definition. Dictionary.com definition of curiosity is this, simply, a desire to know. So force driven with a desire to know. That's what I'm preaching about this morning. We are, we're supposed to be compelled by our curiosity. God has put into us some things from the very start, from the very beginning of when he created man. He had put some stuff in us for us to begin to seek out. We want everything easy because society has made everything easy. Let me go meddle a little bit. I was talking the other day to my barber. And he was talking about, he was talking to some young ladies, and um, they have certain criterias now that they think the guys have to kind of meet. And, um, you know, ladies want a man that's going to take care of them. Ladies want a man that's going to, you know, buy them this and buy them that and show them, you know, take care of them. And... I got to get my barber saved because he got so many good principles. He just needs Jesus now. And he says, he said, Wayne, that's cool and everything, but something comes with that. You got to make sure your man have his dinner. Young ladies, when we didn't have, when we didn't have microwaves, when the dad came home from work that day, and he come home hungry and tired, his big meal was on the table covered up. He didn't walk in and wait. He walked in and his food was warm. It was covered up, ready to go. He had his vegetables. He had his meat. He has his starch. He had all that, and he was just ready to be a king. He probably brought the paycheck home, but he was being treated like a king. It works both ways. Nobody gets to have it all. But society today, again, we're programmed. We're programmed. We're being conditioned to think it's only supposed to be the way we want it. No, life is always going to be a two-way street. Reciprocity, back and forth. It's in relationship. It's in our relationship with God and each other. It's back and forth. You can't just have it all and the next person just keep giving. But... We've been conditioned. We have been conditioned to think that way. And that's why we're thinking that way. Let me say this last thing as I get into closing here. Listen to me. Stop learning from your mistake as much as possible. I'll say it again. Stop trying to always learn from your mistakes. I got to make my own mistakes. Nonsense. Nonsense. Why in the world, which is why we are where we are today as a world, everybody has decided, let me repeat your mistakes. You don't understand. I got to just, I got to have my own experience. I didn't say you don't have to have your own experience. But you don't have to make the same mistakes I made. And if I'm telling you what to do so you don't make the same mistake, why are you doing the opposite to make the mistake? 
You don't have to learn from your own mistake. You're supposed to learn 75% at least of mistake from other people. At least 75%. Look around and say, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. I see what happened over there. I'm not. 75% at least of mistakes you should not have to make because you watched everybody else. Especially those closest to you. But no, y'all decide. You got to do your own thing. And we just keep sitting back. I hate to say it this way. Let me drop a, just a heavy one on you. This is probably why some of our generation, some of our culture, some of our nationality can't get where we need to get to because you insist on making your own mistakes. You go to some other culture, guess what they say? We're not going to do. And, and, and guess what? They, they listen and they stick together because they can see how their, their, their families made a mistake. And they're like, we're not doing that. Some cultures, you insist on making your own. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. That wasn't notes. That wasn't part of the notes. In Luke 19, the Bible says, And when Jesus came to the place, Ethan, big Ethan, when Jesus came into the place, he looked. He looked. One looked, Ethan. When Jesus rolled up, Zacchaeus had no clue. No clue. All he knew, he was trying to see Jesus. And Jesus just cool. Just coming down the street. The throng of crowd, the press. And Jesus coming down the street. And Jesus just stopped right by the sycamore tree. Everything changed. Everything changed. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Zacchaeus was a thief. Zacchaeus was no good. One look. Everything changed. Jesus said, make haste. Come down. Everything changed. With one look. With one look. With one look. But the question is, will you position yourself? Will you position yourself? To get that one look. <laughs> you want that look, but you ain't ready to put yourself in position for the one look. Zacchaeus didn't just roll over in his bed and looked up in the sky and saw Jesus. No, he didn't. Zacchaeus didn't wake up that day and looked and saw Jesus. He put some effort Briasia, he put some effort. He says, he woke up that day and he says, I got to go see Jesus because I'm hearing all this stuff about him. He just healed blind Bartimaeus down there. I'm hearing that he's delivering people from sickness and all this stuff. I got to see this Jesus. So you know what? I don't care what they think about me. Maybe I won't put on my best suit today, but I'll put on a suit that if it, if it gets torn up climbing a tree, I'm good. But I'm seeing Jesus today. I am going to see Jesus today. And Zacchaeus put on his not-so-good suit, but a suit anyhow, and he ran in front of the press. 
and Zacchaeus climbed up in the tree, and he just went and just perched over, and he watched the crowd. He probably had a smile on his face like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so glad I climbed this tree. Maybe some tall person like, like, like Brother Spriggs, he couldn't climb the tree because I'm sure the sycamore tree wasn't all that high. It was just enough. And so a little man like Zacchaeus was just good enough. And Zacchaeus climbed up in that sycamore tree, and he went over on the branch. It was a green branch. It wasn't a rotten branch. And he looked, and here come Jesus. And Jesus walking down, and Jesus, the crowd, and all of a sudden, Jesus stopped. One look, one look, one look. One look, the smile on Zacchaeus' face, his heart pumping. Oh, oh God, he had to be like, God, are you calling me down? And the Lord said, come down, Zacchaeus, come down. Church, stand with me. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is very interesting. you got to realize, you might not know it or you may know it. When you know how people dislike you, when you know that people have a problem with you because of how you have been treating them, when you understand that the people have an issue with you because of what you have done to them, when you know that, you know that, man, nobody don't invite you nowhere, nobody don't treat you nice, everybody look at you cross-eyed, everybody got a problem with you, and if they could beat you up, they would have beat you up. That's, That's who Zacchaeus was. And so, with everybody having tude and hatred against Zacchaeus, just think about it. So much, so much lessons. So many lessons in this text. Oh, when he, when, when Jesus rolled upon him, Jesus could have looked at him and pointed the finger and says, you little joker, you've been mistreating my people. You little chump. I need to just, and just, Jesus could have just mushed him. He was short anyhow. Push him down a little bit more. You better not treat my people like that anymore. Oppressing my people like that. And I'm sure everybody wanted Jesus to do something to him. That made him hurt. He been making us hurt, Jesus. He been scamming us, Jesus. He been taking our money. He wanted them scammers. They had scammers long before scammers. Zacchaeus was the original scammer. He just didn't scam on the telephone. He scammed in person. And so here's Zacchaeus knowing that nobody liked him. They all hated him. Hated his guts. And Jesus came. One look. Jesus didn't have any issue with him. Jesus wasn't angry at him. Jesus wasn't mad. Jesus just gave him one look. Make haste. Come down. And Zacchaeus made haste and came down. He wasn't like some of us. You, you want me to come down? You, you want me to come down? You want me to come? You want me to come? Because you know, when you're guilty, that's how you walk. You sure you want me to come? Zacchaeus realized everything I've heard about this Jesus. Legit. Legit, legit. Look at his attitude toward me. And Zacchaeus made haste and came down. And Jesus said unto Zacchaeus, Today I'm going to be with you in your house. Listen to me, church. 
We have to stop coming to the building, to the service, and limiting what we think God can do. Zacchaeus woke up, and he would have been good with just the glimpse of Jesus. He would have been good with that. But guess what? He got so much more than he bargained for. I've lived for God for a little bit now. And what I've learned about God is, if I will just have an expectation of what God can do in my life, God will always exceed my, you hear me? God will always exceed your expectation. But here is the trick. Do you have an expectation of God? Not talking about, oh Lord, it's time to go, it's time to go. I'm not talking about a sinful expectation. I'm not talking about, ready for this? A selfish expectation. I was talking to my brother yesterday, and I told him, because you know, when the fire start burning, y'all don't want to come around me on Saturdays. Y'all don't want to come around me any other time, because the fire start burning, you just got to be in this life. When, when God calls you to do something, it just consumes you. And so when, once he gives me the word, I'm burning up. I, I can't wait to release it because I'm burning up. And so if you come around me, it's just, just coming out, just coming out. And I was telling him yesterday, I says, selfishness is a sin. Whenever you're living your life that only will please you, you're sinning. I don't need to know the sin specifically that you're committing. I am just telling you, God said it is not good for man to be alone. God said it. When you stay by yourself, it's selfish. Woo! Didn't expect the preacher to go that way. And anything we desire of God, and it only going to take care of us, it's selfish. God won't do it. So that's why some of us is still waiting for God. Because what you're waiting on is something selfish. How about you ask God for some stuff? That ain't selfish. That when it happens to you, it's going to affect some other people too. How about we start going that route? Watch this. When Zacchaeus got saved, did it just benefit Zacchaeus? It probably benefited the whole town. This miserable man, this little short, miserable, get on your nerves, try to take all your house and everything. Now he coming around with a smile. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Charles. Hey, what's up, Lewis? Hey, Baron. He's just going around saying hello to people like, what in the world? What is going on with him? That joker was coming, banging on your door like he was ready to arrest you. And now he's talking about, hi, I got to check him out for a little bit. And then the next neighbor said, no, no, no. Remember, Jesus went to his house. So he ain't the same no more. One look. One look. One look. Just a little curiosity that he was compelled by. He was compelled by this curiosity. And can I tell you this? This is how it works, church. I'm finished. I want to finish. I did that. This is how it works. God puts a desire in your heart, a righteous desire in your heart. And He let it sit there. And it's up to you now what you're going to do with it. 
It's up to you. Can I tell you this? Jesus saw Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus started coming to Jesus. That he's all knowing. He's all knowing. So what he does, how he works, this is this is how the whole thing works. He puts some desire, thoughts that are righteous in your heart, in your mind. And now it's up to you. This is interesting. The old Thomas used to tell me this. You only will respect something you earn. Like if, what they say, they said it this way, easy come. I think Jesus is saying that to us. He might not say it quite like the elders told me, easy come, easy go. But in his way, if I just make everything come to you, you won't respect it. So I'm going to put the thought in your heart. I'm going to put the thought in your mind. And when you respond, I already I wish y'all would get me today. By the time you start contemplating, I'm going to respond to that thing, that desire, that thought. Jesus is already on his way. Because his desire is to meet with you and to do in you what he always wanted to do. And so that desire, that thought that he puts in your heart and put in your mind, as soon as you respond, as soon as you begin to act, he already out front, ready for you. So when he had put into Zacchaeus' heart, who knows how long he had put into Zacchaeus' heart who he was. How, who knows how long Zacchaeus was hearing about this Jesus? And finally, Jesus knew he was going through Jericho that day. Zacchaeus might have not known. Zacchaeus probably waited until he realized the flow of the crowd. And then he set himself up. But Jesus already know. Do not play with God. It's not coincidence while Mary was the virgin that was picked for the baby Jesus to be born. What are you talking about, preacher? You done switched it all up on us. Yes. Jesus already know what our responses are going to be. He already know. This is probably how he select us in what we're going to do in the ministry. Because he already know what you will respond to. And so he puts it in you. And now it's your time to respond. And so I plead with you today. If you will come today to this altar, we pray for this altar to be ablaze. If you will not be so interested, you got to go. Putting God on the clock. If you will come to this altar today and begin to respond to the desire that's in your heart that Jesus put in if you will begin to respond to what God has been speaking to your heart, I don't care what it is. For some of us, he's been putting to your heart, you need to just surrender your life to me. For some of us, he's been saying to us, you need to get your life right. For some of us, he's been saying, you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. For some of us, he's saying, you got to get over that situation. You can't keep allowing that situation to hold you hostage. For some of us, he's just telling us, 
you got to get delivered. And I am your deliverer. He has put the thoughts. Oh, my God, my God. He has put that desire in you. I need you. More importantly, Jesus needs you. If you really want to be changed, if you want your life to be different, I'm calling you to this altar today. And I'm asking you to talk to God about what he has placed in your heart so God can help you. He wants to change your life. He wants to change your life. He wants what's best for you. Listen to me. Your best life is in Christ, no place else. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. God made you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what you need. He knows how to keep you. He knows how to make you successful. He knows how to raise you up. He knows what to do in your life. Nobody else knows how to do you like Jesus knows how to do you. If you will lift your hands today. If you will lift your hands today. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Will you lift your hands in this place today? I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Change is coming. Change is coming. Change is coming. Change is coming. Just one look. Change is coming. Jesus is in the house. And change, change, change is coming. Don't you rush the Holy Ghost. Let change come. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. God was the one that put that desire in your heart. He put that desire in your heart. Now, if you will respond in obedience and in faith, God is going to do the extraordinary, the supernatural, the divine that only God can do. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Today is your day to give your life to God. If you haven't been baptized, you need to do it today. Tomorrow is not promised unto you. Tomorrow is not promised unto you. Let's go! 
God in faith. Say yes to His will. Don't be afraid. Where He's taking you, it's a great place. What He's doing, it's wonderful. Trust God. Trust God. Trust Him. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, my brother.
walk out. Many of us has lost our way. We have lost our way in faith in Jesus Christ. We have lost our passion for the things of God. We have lost our desire to worship, our desire to praise. We have lost our desire to be in His presence. We've lost our desire to fellowship with Him. Our desire to be saved, to walk with Jesus, to live right. But Jesus sent me by here to tell you today, just one look and He'll restore it all. Just one look and He'll restore all of your desires, all of your passions, all of what you have lost. Many of us have given up and God says, no, you won't. No, you won't. Don't you give up on God. Don't you give up because your circumstance still seems to be the same. God said, don't do it. Just one look. And all that you thought you lost, you can receive it back. It can be restored back unto you. All that you thought that you had lost, the Lord can restore it back unto you. Just one look. Just one touch. Just one word. Let's lift our heads together one more time. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for changing and transforming and delivering and setting free. Thank you for restoration. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for encouragement and empowerment. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessings, for your provision. Thank you for bringing us together. Father, as we go from this place, we don't want what we have here today to leave us, to escape us. But let it remain in us. Let it grow. Let it cause us to grow. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you've never been baptized, whoo, what a day. Water, it's probably not that cold. You can get baptized. All your sins can be washed away. And Jesus says, I remember them no more. They will all be gone. So if you've never been baptized, you should get baptized today. When I go down this road, I can't just leave it where it is. You don't get this invitation and opportunity everywhere you go. I know a lot of times we take things for granted that every church doors we walk into, we think that all of this happens. If you've never been baptized, this is the place to get baptized the proper way. Because there's some people that are baptizing improperly. They're trying to mimic the baptism. I heard somebody got baptized the other day. Sorry, hate to do it. And as they were getting ready to get baptized, the preacher said this. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, 
That name is Jesus. I heard them say that. Nobody got baptized like that in the Bible. Nobody got baptized like that in the Bible. So we can finagle God's word all we want. There's only two baptisms that took place in the Bible. I'm straight. I'm word. One was John the Baptist. Repent. And they got submerged. But the real baptism came after Jesus ascended. And that baptism, when they baptize people, they say, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins. And they, boom, and bring them up. They didn't say anything else. That's all they said. And that baptism, that's biblical. And all the people that were baptized by John the Baptist got rebaptized in the name of Jesus. Not in that fake, superstitious, let me make it sound, what is it? Politically correct. We're baptizing people politically correct now. It's either you're getting baptized in the name of Jesus, the one who died for you. Father ain't no name. Son ain't no name. Holy Ghost ain't no name. Jesus is the name. And it's only the name that saves you. We can't add stuff to God's word. And we can't take away stuff from God's word. So you don't go every place and get to get baptized right. You want to get baptized right? Raise your hand. Anybody here? I'm getting ready to close. Don't rush God. And you don't have to worry about going home. Baptism only take about 10 minutes. By the time you change, get, get into the... We, we've got the baptism clothes for you. So you don't need no clothes. And we're baptizing. Jesus, thank you for those that receive from your word today. Bless them as they go. And for any person that's contemplating baptism, I pray that they will respond in faith and obedience. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.